Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. Thanks so much for spending Sunday morning with us, especially at our 9 a.m. service. It's great to see you all. A lot of people asked me on the way in if I was watching Midnight Mass, the the recommendation from John. And I said, no, I don't watch shows that John recommends because the man is a sick person. It's just kind of where I'm at this morning. I thought I would share my heart. We are going to kick off a a message series over the next number of weeks called Reading, excuse me, Read Between the Lines. And we're going to have a a dialogue and a conversation about really some of the stories that Jesus told as he was walking the earth and teaching um, during his years of ministry. And I actually, uh, more than anything else that we love teaching about at Down Downtown Harbor Church. I really love teaching about what we're going to be teaching about in the next number of weeks. So first of all, before I start and dive into this, let me talk about Jesus for a second. Jesus is so important, and every story that we're going to talk about during the next message series was a story that Jesus told on earth. And I just believe that as Jesus walked and and, and did his ministry as he was walking the earth here, it's important for us to realize who actually verbally told these stories and that who told them was Jesus. And we just believe a couple of things about Jesus here at Downtown Harbor Church. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that for a long time in ancient Israeli prophecy, the Messiah was predicted to come to earth and to be that person that if you believed in the Messiah, that you would be made right with God the Father. We believe that that was Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the risen savior to a broken world. That Jesus, while he walked the earth, said, come and follow me. And if you believe in me, I will make you right with God the Father. And then to prove it, he actually actually predicted his own death and resurrection and rose again. That's who Jesus is, and that's who taught the stories that we're going to look at during this series. It's so important for us to understand who kind of the author was so we understand the weight of these stories, because this is not just a story that your grandfather told or maybe a great-grandfather told. These stories were told by the risen Savior, the risen Messiah, to a broken world. And if you look at Jesus's ministry, so often as he walked around and met with different people of the time, Jesus used these stories to teach that Jesus taught in story. Well, now that I've kind of laid the foundation there, because some of you who've been around church for any length of time, maybe you're familiar with some of these already. Maybe you already know some of these that we're gonna talk about, and, or maybe you're gonna hear a little bit of a different twist on them during this series. Maybe if you're new to Christianity or you're new to Downtown Harbor Church, you've never heard these. And you're like, wow, I I need to understand the context for which these stories were told. So here's something that you may know, you may not know, but it's an interesting revelation about these stories that we're going to tell during this series, Read Between the Lines. The stories that Jesus used were fiction. They actually were not true in terms of They actually didn't happen. They were very true, but were they physical, historical events? No. Maybe there was a variation of it that happened that allowed Jesus to kind of make up the story, but these were called parables, and they were actually fiction. So why, you might be sitting there asking the question, as I probably was early on in my journey of Christianity, 
why would we spend time talking about stories that are fiction? Why would we spend actual time doing that? We are smack dab in the middle of 2021. It is a really polarizing climate out there in terms of the way the world exists and lives. Why would we sit around inside of a movie theater talking about stories that are fiction? I'll just tell you a couple of things. First of all, if Jesus used these stories and actually believed them and taught with them, I believe they're important for us to look at some 2,000 years later. I also happen to believe a lot about story. I don't know if ever you sit back and have some introspective moments like I do, and I hear stories and I learn from stories. I just believe a couple of things about stories, which I think are really important. Number one, stories move us to imagine a world beyond ourselves. They actually allow our eyes to open so that we can see different things and we can hear different things and we can actually envision what a world looks like, don't miss this, outside of our little box. A couple of things about stories, they help us see more, they help us learn from different things, they help us care more, they help us have empathy for those who might be different than us or maybe experience different things than we experienced and stories at the end of the day help us hope more. They give us a hope for something that we might not be able to see, a hope that we can actually hope to realize over the course of time. Well, as Jesus started to teach in story, one that we're going to talk about today, a parable that he told is so important. And this parable is actually called the Good Samaritan. Some of you have probably even heard that expression before if you've spent no time in the local church. You may have even heard that expression used in culture. You may have even heard that expression used in like everyday slang. Somebody who helps somebody else, a good Samaritan. Well, where did that come from? What does that look like? And furthermore, the question that we're going to ask today as we read between the lines is how in the world does this fictional made up story, which helps us to imagine a world beyond ourselves, apply to us in 2021, heading in to 2022? Well, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open that. We are in the book of Luke chapter 10. If not, no worries. You're welcome to follow along on your phone if you want to, or as always at DHC. These words will be on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Now, there's a decent amount of scripture on the screen today. We are a Bible-believing church, and so we use the text and the scripture to help guide our messages, and there's going to be a lot of it today, so stay with me. So it says in the book of Luke chapter 10 that one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. So Jesus was kind of well-known in the community at this point in time. He had been performing his ministry and going out and meeting the people. And somebody asked him a question, and they asked him this question, by the way, a lot in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels that document his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They always ask him this because they're trying to get him into a corner, right? They're trying to figure something out because everybody wants to know this, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What should I do to what? Live forever. Everybody wants to drink from the fountain of youth. How can I be, al or how can I be alive? How can I live for eternity? What do I need to do? 
And Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, as he gets ready to tell this story, this parable, this fictional truth, he replies, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Basically, Jesus is reaching back into their culture, the Israeli culture, and saying, hey, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read the law of Moses? Because he would have known the law of Moses. And the man answered with this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is just, I can just imagine him sitting back at this point going, all right, you, you know, what are you asking me for, right? So Jesus says, right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. But the man didn't stop there. He didn't just turn around and walk away. He replied to Jesus in an attempt to justify what he was doing. And by the way, we don't even know what he was doing, but he was justifying what he was doing with this next question. This is so key. The man wanted to justify his actions. What was he doing? Don't know. Is he on Broward Boulevard? Not sure, okay? So we asked Jesus, and this is what he said. And who is my neighbor? You, you said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Who is my neighbor? What does that mean? Who should I love? What should I do with this information? This guy who's asking Jesus this question is potentially looking for a loophole, right? He's, and he's like, the reason we like rules and laws is because there are loopholes. You ever seen the legal system in this country? There are loopholes, right? There are loopholes to all these things. Who do I really have to help, Jesus? Who do I really have to actually go and extend my hand to? And you know what he's really asking with that question? Also known as, who do I not have to? Who do I not need to engage with? Who do I not need to love? Because Jesus, we can't love everybody. You know that's ridiculous. We can't actually engage and love people who are our enemies and who are different than us. So who is my neighbor? Who should I love? And Jesus replied with one of the most famous parables, dare I say the most famous parable that exists in the entire Bible. And he goes on to tell a story in response to that question. Here's the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, two cities where there was a path along the road, and he was attacked by bandits. So here we go, and there's a couple of things to pay attention here too, right? He first says a Jewish man. So it would have been a man who was like the man who was asking the question. So it would have been historically one of his people who would have known the law of Moses, was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Okay? Goes on. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. So this guy got taken to the cleaners, right? Robbed him, took everything he had, beat him to a bloody pulp, and left him by the side of the road. This is bad. We've, we've encountered this sometimes in our culture, right? Where we see things in the media or on the news, or maybe even we've physically seen it in our city where somebody just gets roughed up. 
They get, they get, they get beat up. They've been doing something they shouldn't. And man, there they are left for dead on the side of the road. Bad stuff, right? We've seen a couple of these characters who've been through this outside the museum on Sunday mornings. Like when we're loading in, not a good place to be. Okay, I wouldn't recommend this. So you got to be careful in a couple of ways. But regardless, Jesus was telling the story about this man. He was left on the side of the road for dead. This is where it gets interesting. By chance, a priest came along. A priest would have been a Jewish priest, one of his own kind. If you want to think about what this means in a society like today, it would be like a pastor. Um, somebody who would be on this stage, somebody who, depending on your religion or denomination, somebody who would be leading an organization of people to know God better. That's what a priest is. And a priest came along, Jewish priest. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. That doesn't really make any sense, especially someone of his own culture and of his own kind. I mean, this priest just ignored him and walked on, you know, walked on by and left him there on the side of the road. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Jesus, go, go on. And then Jesus said, a temple assistant walked by, walked over, in fact, and looked at him lying there, but he also passed to the other side of the road. So a temple assistant back in the day was known as a Levite, somebody who would have known the Jewish law back and forth, up and down, someone who should have, based on what the scripture said, stopped and helped along the side of the road. You want to know what Jesus was saying when he told this story? You want to know what Jesus was doing, I believe, when he told this story? I believe he was reaching into the culture as he always did to challenge the establishment of the time. And I just believe Jesus was saying something with these first passages of scripture in this fictional story because he could have made up anybody who walked by. It wasn't real, but he was teaching a lesson. And I truly believe that what he was saying right here is that being religious doesn't equate to love. That just because you're religious and just because you go to church, just because you engage in a local organization or claim to have a relationship with Christ doesn't mean that you love. In fact, I believe so strongly that Jesus talked about love the most when he taught because he knew it would be something that Christians, followers of his, would specifically struggle with. Being religious doesn't equate to love. A priest and a Levite both walked by a man who was at the end of his rope and just went about their business. You know, some of you may have even encountered a religious leader like this. Maybe, maybe you've encountered it more than once. Maybe it's why you disengaged from the local church for a period of time. Maybe you're back. And, and maybe you're saying this, I'm going to give this a chance again and it, because I've been wronged or I didn't understand this or this didn't line up to me. And they were too religious and too full of themselves. And they only cared about the things that they cared about, not really what Jesus called us to do. But the story gets more interesting. The story, in fact, gets exponentially more interesting after the Levite walked by. Scripture goes on and it says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. There's a big word in here that I want to pay attention to. It's despised. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. 
Let's talk for a second about Samaritans and Jews. So I don't really have time this morning to go into an entire history lesson on this stage because they only give me a few minutes. However, if you want to do a little bit more digging during the week, I would love for you to look up the history between Samaritans and Jews and why they were actually known as enemies that they were actually known as enemies in terms of culture, that they were people who did not see eye to eye. They did not get along. Basically, they were split based on the Jewish faith. And it's even said that Samaritans were half-breeds who defiled the true religion. That's a serious offense, right? In fact, the scripture tells us that they could do whatever they could. They would always do whatever they could to not even interact with each other that they would absolutely like see each other and turn the other direction and walk or walk away. These people were enemies. These people were at each other's throats consistently. But here we have a Jewish man left for dead on the side of a road. Religious leader one walks by nothing. Religious leader two walks by nothing. And who stops but a Samaritan, the man's enemy. Somebody who was supposed to hate this man. Why in the world would Jesus tell this story in response to the question, who is my neighbor? Story doesn't end there. It goes on and it says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. This Samaritan picked up the Jewish man, bound up his wounds, then took him to an inn. And then what happened was even more important. Next is what it says. It says the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time he's here. Meaning he can even run up the room service tab and go to the bar. I got it, right? This is one of those things that's really important for us to understand. The Samaritan did this, got him into a hotel, paid the entire bill, and then told the front desk guy, whatever he needs, you let me know. I got him. Why would he do that? Well, I don't know. This isn't real. But I think it's so interesting for us to step back and evaluate why Jesus would teach using this story. Jesus, in fact, asked a question when he was done. I love this question. It's so important. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked? And the man who originally asked the question said this. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. What I think is so interesting about this message is that Christians who exist today that I get to encounter a lot have a lot of enemies. Whether they're estranged from someone in their own family, whether they're arguing with someone who claims to be their friend, whether on the different side of an aisle in someone who may practice another religion, we got a lot of enemies. And I don't know about you, but as, as I step back, I read a story where Jesus just taught us 
how to love our enemies. And I believe he did that because he knew that some 2,000 years later, we would struggle with this very thing. See, the question was asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with an entire diatribe that I can gain this from. If you want to love your neighbor as yourself, that means all your neighbors. That doesn't mean a few people who you might call your buddies. That doesn't mean people just inside of downtown Harbor Church. That doesn't mean people who think like you, act like you, vote like you, embrace like you. This means all of your neighbors. That means everyone. Why do I see so much in culture happening that's the complete opposite of this? If you look around, you probably see some things that happen that are the complete opposite of this too. So I want you to remember something here as we go through this. Remember, this story is fiction. It's fiction. It's not true in terms of that it actually happened. But oh boy, is it true. So let's do a real cheesy thing this morning. Let's use the series title and let's put it again on the screen so that we can have this moment together. Get ready for it. Get Buckle up. Let's read between the lines. You know, I was talking to John and the team this week, and one of the things that we were debating was the title of this series. And John actually said, uh, I think we should, uh, you know, not use this title. Let's use one that's called There's More to the Story. And I said, Ooh. I said, there's a problem with that, John. There isn't, right? And so we just had to figure out, and this was the best one we came up with, and they're not all home runs here at the downtown Harbor Church, but let's do this. Let's read between the lines. Since that's what we picked, let's dissect. Here's something I want you to know. I believe we can learn so much from this story, and I believe this story is actually timeless. Let me tell you what that means. I believe that this applies 2,000 years ago. I believe this applies... 10 years ago, and I believe it applies today. So I want everybody in the room, kind of sit up in the chair. If you're nodding off and you had a rough night, sit up with me, okay? Because I want you to zone in with me for the next couple of minutes because some of the things that I'm about to say are some of the most important things I've ever said from this stage at Downtown Harbor Church. Here's what I want you to know, and I'm gonna hold nothing back, so buckle up. The tension that exists in our time today is unlike anything I've experienced in my lifetime. The tension that exists in culture today is unlike anything I've experienced in my lifetime. If you look around, people are just filled with anger. Have you seen it? I don't know if it's COVID or if it's politics or if it's the country or if it's the world. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. People are fired up and it's usually not a good fired up either if you've looked around. And I just believe at the end of the day, if we look at this story, that the good Samaritan was actually told, Jesus told this story for a time such as this. This was a story that was timeless and timely over and over and over again. Yes, it is a story about a Jewish man being helped and rescued by his enemy, a Samaritan, but it was recorded and documented so that some 2,000 years later, we could read it again and go, what does this mean to me today? 
What are my enemies looking like today? Who could I help today? How do I use this story in response to the question, who is my neighbor to help today? It's about to get difficult in this room. It's about to get real. The tension might be thick enough that you might be able to cut it with a knife, not even a butter one. Bad jokes this morning at DHC, but we'll take them what we can get at this point. When is the last time that you have reached out to someone who is different than you? When's the last time you've reached out to someone who is different than you? Because you want to know what I see consistently? And and by the way, just so everybody in this room knows, I'm preaching to myself as well as I wrote this this week. I was like, man, I'm convicted by this. When's the last time you've reached out to someone different than you? When is it? Or do you tend to go, nah, I'm too busy. I don't need to engage there. Most of us, being honest, right? Most of us like to stay in our own little bubble. We do, we got no beef with that. Most of us just like to stay in our own little bubble and go, I'm good just over here. Those people who are different than me or who need help or who might not agree with me, forget it. I'm too busy over here. So at Downtown Harbor Church, we don't talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it today. It's one of those things that we just kind of said we weren't going to talk about from this stage, but I'm breaking a rule and I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to talk about politics. We don't talk about it, and I'm not really going to talk about politics. I'm going to talk around politics, so no one talks to me in the lobby and said, I think, you know, you said you weren't going to talk about politics, so I'm going to take myself off the hook there. A lot of you are at war with each other, constantly. And I'm not just talking about the people in this room, I'm talking about people in your life. For things, don't miss this, things that you're never gonna change. You're probably not gonna change anybody's mind. And yet you still have conversations. Yet you bring it up a lot. You actually have some enemies just like the Samaritans and the Jews, based on what you believe. In fact, one of my favorite expressions from people who have conversations with me about this topic are the people who start the conversation with, I'm not really political, but... Meaning the only thing that you talk about is politics. It's like somebody who's drinking too much and they try to tell you, hey, you know what? I'm really not drinking a lot anymore. Okay, so... It's one of those things where I, I met a guy a couple weeks ago, you know, I'm off beer now. I'm not drinking beer anymore. I'm really, I'm really lightening my life up with the beer. I moved to straight bourbon. Okay, so it's one of those things where, so here's what I want you to know. So many of our conversations that I engage with, with people, this gets brought up. For many things, you're not going to change. And it's putting a wall between you and different people. Here's what I want you to know. Take my advice on this in terms of being a peacemaker and making something right with an enemy today, stop it. Stop talking about politics. Knock it off. It's not helping you. You're alienating yourself from other people and Jesus has called us to make disciples. You are hurting your chances every time you open your mouth. This has nothing to do uh, with Jesus. Many of you are way more passionate about politics than you are about Jesus. 
stop it. You're creating enemies. This is dividing people, not bringing them to Christ. I hear consistently, even amongst people I know in my life, I'm not talking to so-and-so anymore because we disagree on this. I'm not talking to so-and-so because we disagree on this. It almost came to blows with my buddy because we disagree on this. Christian people, knock it off. It's not helping you. And with the holidays coming up, it's going to make your life a lot worse. You think mother-in-law is bad now? You just bring this up at Thanksgiving. Knock it off. Started here at Downtown Harbor Church, and maybe we can have a different future together. Maybe you're a priest in your life right now. Too busy, too obsessed with what you believe and what you think to help somebody who might be different than you. Maybe you're a Levite. Maybe you're too busy with your daily tasks, too busy wrapped up in your own thoughts. Maybe they are political, maybe they're not, that you don't have time for someone who might be different than you. In fact, you want to know the most heartbreaking thing that I hear people, specifically Christians, say about people who are different than them? When something bad might happen to them, specifically related to people on the other side of the aisle from where they are. I've heard this so much. They got what they deserved. Hmm, didn't go their way, I told them. Got what they deserved. Anti-maskers got COVID, got what they deserved. That thinking is exactly the opposite of what a relationship with Jesus calls us to do. So if that's you, and that's where you're at this morning, man, you better check your heart. You better check where you're at. Because Jesus told a story about a guy who was down on his luck and two people who were exactly like him walked on by and then his enemy walked on by being a light in a broken world to the man who needed it the most, what Christians are supposed to be. And Jesus told the story 2,000 years later so we could read it. So when we would read it, we would go, oh man, I'm like a priest and I'm like a Levite. And how bad is that? If you're like me, you've seen this happen too. Ain't nobody in this room going, yeah, I've never seen what that guy's talking about. He must be living in, you know, a different country. We've all seen it. You've seen it. Maybe you're a part of it. Do what you can to reach out to those who are different than you during this time. That's how you shine the light of Jesus. That's how you actually are a neighbor to someone. That's how you prove that you love. That's what that looks like in life. That's why when the man said back to Jesus, when Jesus asked him the question, who is a neighbor to this man? The one who stopped and helped. The risen Messiah, the savior of the world told this story. Even though this is fiction, this is so true. So what's the practical? Boy, at Downtown Harbor Church, we kind of step back and we use this phrase every single week. We want you to hear a message on a Sunday and then know exactly what to do with what you've heard. Um, every time I give a message at Downtown Harbor Church, somebody says this to me out in the lobby afterward, and I love this because they say to me, 
Adam, um, I don't, I don't know what you were talking about up on that stage. And I don't know if you wrote this with, with me in mind, but were you talking to me? Yes, I was talking to you. And it's not me, that's the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, respond to the Holy Spirit. So what's the practical? What can you do this week with what you've heard? What can we do as we hear the parable of the Good Samaritan, understanding what that looks like in each of our lives? What can we do? Number one is find someone different. Find someone who is different and engage them. When's the last time you've done this? When's the last time you've went to a happy hour or a dinner or got together with somebody for a cup of coffee and the issues of the time, what divides you didn't come up? Probably been a while. Maybe it's somebody of a different religion. Maybe it's somebody who you don't even agree with the very basic things on. And you go, you know what? I'm going to engage. It's okay to have friends who aren't Christians. John talked about that when we talked about our series over the summer. Yes, you can enjoy going to church. And yes, you can enjoy living in a world. Find someone who is different and engage them. Extending your hand to someone doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. The Jews and the Samaritans never came to an agreement. They never got all harmonious and signed a document and moved on together. They never did that. Jesus just told the story about a man who got down and helped someone else who was broken and battered and beaten. And that man didn't say, got what he deserved and moved on. I never, ever want my child to hear those words come out of my mouth. Because what would she do with them if she heard her dad say that? Knowing that she knows that I have a relationship with Jesus. Look, he got what he deserved. I don't want to do that anymore. No wonder people don't want to be Christians. It starts with us. Right where we're at. Right here right now. Look for unusual ways to help others, even those who are different. Look for unusual ways to help others, especially those who are different. And wouldn't you at that moment be a light to a broken world that so desperately needs it? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, let your light shine before men. Don't put it Oh, don't put a bowl over it so nobody can see it. To be a light. And in that moment, a Samaritan was a light. Look for unusual ways to help others, even those who are different, and watch Jesus shine in this world, through your life, in our community, and do a miraculous work in people's lives. It starts with us. It starts here. It starts here with an ancient story filled with truth some 2,000 years later. Let me pray for us. Father, for who you are, God, I thank you. Jesus, the fact that you told this story is miraculous and healing and so true by itself. And would you be so careful to convict our hearts today? Would you be so careful to guide our lives through this? 
Would you promote healing and restoration with those who are divided? Would you be so present in our lives and in these circumstances so that we can see those who are different than us and reach out our hands and help? God, help us to do this as we walk through the crazy times that we live of division and, 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 and brokenness. But in you, there is healing. In you, there is grace. In you, there is truth. And this story that you told, one of my favorites because of what it means some 2,000 years ago, man, it's so true today. Thanks for using it to convict us today, God. May you also from this moment on heal us, help us to restore the things that we've broken and been a part of. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.